Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That, with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen, and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So, we start, as we do every week, with a random question. Alice, what is the most underrated crisp? Oh, gosh, the most underrated crisp. So, I I, I am, I love crisps so much, Josh. Like, I really do. And I feel like every time I try and be healthy or anything, they are the one thing that I just can't seem to The kill. downfall. Indeed, indeed. Underrated. I, You know what? I would say what's-its. I feel like they really don't get a look in. I feel like they're kind of associated more with children as well. Mm. Um, but I love a what's it. And I, fi- I often find that I crave them a lot as well. And I think they've got quite a nice texture. Sometimes crisps can be quite aggressive on, the, on your, <laughs> your own mouth there. But you know, like the kettle chips and stuff, they're quite sturdy. Yeah. And you can feel like your sort of mouth's getting cut up a bit. But a nice little what's it, nice and gentle. Melt in the mouth. Left- Exactly. So yeah, I'll go with the with the humble what's it. Why? What do you think? I do like what's it. I do like mm. what's it, but I don't think they're underrated because I've never met someone who didn't really like what's it. But okay, fair point. Fair point. I I've got two space raiders. Really love mm-hmm. space raiders. Beef or pickled onion, but I'm gonna say that my answer is, and I I think these are crisps. Twiglets. Twiglets are Twiglets crisps. What a great question that is. Hmm. You would find them on the crisp aisle. Yeah, I mean, like, if they're not crisps, they're not a vegetable, are they? So, like, what are they're they? Like, not. Like, they're not a drink. Marmite sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and they're, and, they're, and they're vegan. Not that I'm a vegan, but they are vegan. Oh, interesting. What's Twiglets. That? Yeah, I hadn't even considered, but I do I do like Twiglets I a lot twiggle. as well. But and I you can't... You would eat them. That, that's... You would eat them in that fashion, wouldn't you? Yeah, like you'd have like you a snack wanted. of Twiglets. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, I also, despite the fact that I really like them, I'm also not sure I like them. I'm sort of eating them going, mm, yeah, these are nice. And then, like, something in my, in my head's going, do you really like these, though? you got to eat What's more. The to, yeah, you got to eat. Yeah. yeah, it's the Marmite thing. you got to eat, eat more <laughs> to find out before you know what you've eaten a packet. You're like, just have another packet just to, just to taste, to, taste to see if I like them or not. I'm just not sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, just need to keep checking. Just four packets down, and it's like, oh, still, still not quite sure on the twiglets. Oh no, that's a good one. That's a real curveball you threw me there. Twiglets, yeah, nice one. Okay, so we'll move on to talking about uh, this week's film. Uh, it's a bit of a first for us here. Uh, we've been asking for your suggestions, and you've been sending them in, and we've uh, we finally got one we think could make a good episode. So, Alice, I believe you got an email from a listener there. Yes, so listener Sam sent us in his suggestion, which was Drop Dead Fred. Now, the reason he picked this one was he said that it's a film that was repeated on TV a lot when he was growing up, and it's always been quite popular with Rick Mayo fans, but was heavily criticised in the States and Ebert and Siskel absolutely demolished it, said it was the worst film of the year. So he feels it's very underappreciated and as a long-time Rick Mayle fan. And I do have quite the soft spot for Rick Mayle as well, and I've never seen Drop Dead Fred, so I was keen to do this one. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. I hadn't seen it either, obviously, until we until we watched it for this. So I was, I, I was interested to watch it as well. So what did you sort of expect going into it? Did you know much about it? I really honestly had no idea. All I knew was, because I was familiar with Rick Mayle's style, so I was expecting something, you know, something quite silly, maybe something quite wacky, but I had no idea of the narrative. I had no idea, like, who the aforementioned Fred might be. So it was really kind of just going in blind with this. Did you did you have kind of a, an idea of the storyline? Did you know sort of anything about the film? Yeah, so I hadn't seen it, but my main sort of knowledge of the film was I did know the plot and I knew Rick Mail and Phoebe Cates were in it because I know a lot of people it was very much sort of like I was very aware of this film because I knew a lot of people who seem to really really love this film and I have a lot of sort of nostalgic um fondness of the film from from growing up so that's sort of, I mean so I knew the plot if you haven't seen it by the way uh, obviously spoilers for this for this going in it's basically a woman is experiencing a tough time in her life um her so she's sort of splitting up from her husband. She's not very happy, uh, and she starts to see her childhood imaginary friend, played by Rick Mail, called called Drop Dead Fred, uh, and he sort of re- returns to her life and starts wreaking havoc on her adult life, if you like. Um, so, what did you think? <clears throat> there were certainly elements of it that I enjoyed. So, something that I didn't realize I was going to love so much was just seeing Carrie Fisher. Like, just every <laughs> time she was on the screen, it just made me happy. So that was great to see her. Like I said, I was a bit of a Rick Mail fan anyway, so it was great to see him. And the storyline I thought was interesting. And I suppose in a way it did feel quite unique. It felt like quite a unique viewing experience. It didn't feel like anything I'd seen before. Um, The main thing that I sort of really liked about it, I think, was technically there was a lot of really interesting things going on cinematography wise, like a lot of really interesting camera techniques. So there'd be lots of really nice movements. There'd be lots of instances where the action would move into frame or the cameras would be following the actors. So there were bits like that that I really enjoyed. And some of the story I thought was maybe a bit too silly for me. And I kind of couldn't gauge. I couldn't really gauge who it was for. Like, I was like, is this a, an, an adult film? And then some of the jokes were, like, really silly and, like, things about dog poo and stuff. So then I was like, oh, but it, but it's not really a kid's film, is it? Or it doesn't feel like it's geared up to that. Um, I liked that it kind of plays with the idea of mental health and, you know, um, follows the, the struggles of this young woman who is struggling with her mental health. Like, she says that the reason Drop Dead Fred turns up is when she's feeling most alone. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And, again, interesting to sort of tackle it in this very kind of wacky, over-the-top way. 
Um, what were your kind of first impressions, do you think, coming away from it? Yeah, quite quite similar to yourself. It is very... I do quite like Rick Mail, but I prefer Rick Mail when he's playing, like, the more sarcastic, you know, the sort of Rick, Richie character from the young ones rather than his more grotesque bottom style. I mean, I like... The, the man was an absolute stone-cold genius, um, but I prefer that side. That sort of silly, wacky comedy isn't... When it's dialed up to the to the level that it's that it's dialed up to in this film isn't really my cup of tea, but I certainly found a lot of stuff to like uh, in the film. So I thought, move, sort of going on from what I was just saying, his performance is just front and center the best thing about the film, hands down for me. It is marvelously, fantastically sort of grotesque and outlandish, and I know that when I was reading about the film, they, I know they did offer it to other people. Um, and I, I just can't really see anyone else doing it. I want to ask you a little bit later about possible talks of a remake, because I know there was talk of like Russell Brand doing it and stuff, but I thought his performance, he just he just gives 110%, and it just look it it does it does really come off in terms of playing this cartoonishly um over-the-top imaginary friend character. Yeah, certainly. And he's always doing so much physically as well. Like it's a really physical role and so much is going on with his face. And I love his little outfit as well. He's sort of like a haphazardy kind of almost like clowny as well, isn't it? Sort of all kind of mishmashed and that sort of bright green and his hair is just all over the place. But yeah, he's he's he is just lovely to watch, I think. And he, you always feel like he's he's giving so much and he's so energetic with it. Well, that was another thing I really liked. I don't, I don't know what you, what you'll think about this, but I really loved the sort of cartoonish and surrealist way that it looked. So you have a lot of, even even the normal people, the houses look so like, you know, the the house that she lives in almost is it reminds me of like Tom and Jerry, like you've got a really well presented living room where you can't really go in because she's just had the carpets cleaned and all that sort of thing, but. There is also elements where they 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 drop all the colours down, and then so he is this really colourful character who wears all these these bright colours, and it's also quite it's quite um, I found it all it's all quite surreal, isn't it? It All looks quite surreal. It all feels like a cartoon come to life. I mean, what did what did you think about the way it looked? Oh yeah, fabulous. Yeah, certainly like great costume, sort of a great little kind of um, location design as well. When I think so, Carrie Fisher's character lives on that sort of lives on a boat, but like a boat from the 1920s or something, it almost looks yeah. like. And I just thought that was such a wonderful, like, design choice to kind of have that as, as you know, to be one of the locations. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's got that sort of water wheel at the back. It's not like she doesn't live on, like, a, a yacht or a barge. But, yeah, so, no, I know what you mean. It looks, it all looks really fantastic. And I also quite like what they do with Fred in the way that they make him so that he can change his face to any shape and so when he gets hit with something it's like when you know why the coyote or tom from tom and jerry gets hit with a pan and their face flattens out and that sort of thing and i like the fact that they use practical effects to achieve that i think it really adds to the like childlike sort of appeal of the film the nature of the film um or like when he gets he gets hit by a car and it leaves his shoes behind it reminded me a little bit of and i know this came after it but it reminded me a little bit of the way they did the mask with jim carrey Oh, yeah, certainly. Oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Definitely similar energy, yeah. Yeah, or like the other sort of cartoony stuff, like when he, 
does he shave a cat at one point and you see like the cat goes off screen and all the hair is flying off and you just hear the the growling and the meowing of the cat and then it comes back and it's bald and that that sort of cartoony way that it does that I really like that it's sort of really I found that quite endearing quite funny yeah yeah because when there's that bit where he gets his head stuck in the fridge doesn't he and it's sort of all it becomes like you know um is it hey arnold Baseball, football, it? football head, football hey, fo- head. Yeah, I was going to say, what does she call it? It was like it was, it was so like that. Like I was like, oh, he definitely looks like he was sort of modelled after after something like that. But yeah, that was yeah, really cartoony and and really like you say, like Tom and Jerry. I hadn't really thought about that, but it, it is very much like that. And you've got that bit at the beginning, haven't you? Sort of the way the film opens. It's um, it's all like t- uh, children's drawings, isn't it? And, yeah. and all the names are misspelled, and there's like all these little sketches and stuff. Because I suppose it's, it is it is it because Elizabeth is kind of reverted to her childhood self, I suppose, because she had dropped dead Fred when she was a child, and she felt so alone. And then he disappeared after she, I suppose, got a bit older, maybe made some friends, and then got married. But then her not very nice husband is now sort of has left her or is trying to leave her and they're trying to go through this divorce and he comes back and it's sort of like her reverting back into that childhood state. Exactly, exactly. So Something else I think I, I liked as well and I'd be interested to, to get your opinion on this. I quite like, there's two things I like. Number one, I think the, the actual premise of the film of your imaginary friend coming back, it has almost limitless amounts of potential. You could do anything with it in sort of multi in a, in a multitude of ways and genres, and I like that. Whether or not they sort of made true on the potential of that is another thing which we'll come on to. But I also quite like the message of the film, you know, about kind of being true to yourself and standing up for yourself and keeping in touch with your with your childish side. I found that quite heartwarming, and although the film I felt sort of started quite slowly, I did think in the second half. It came alive and was really funny in places and was really heartwarming. You know, the, there's really funny moments so, where she's like, you know, obviously no one else but her can see him. So the whole premise is that she looks like she's going mad because she says this imaginary friend is there and he's not, or she, people think that he's not. Um, and there's the scenes where, you know, she's in a, in a restaurant with a, a childhood friend who sort of fancies her and he is playing with her and moving her arms around and moving stuff. And she is like, it's, she's almost fighting against herself. And she gives a really good physical performance in that scene. And I found that really funny. It reminded me of things like The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy and things, which I know came later. But I do think there was some really, really funny moments in there. What did you think? Did you find it funny? That I mean, that bit specifically that you said, that really did make me laugh. I think the moments in which she's having to behave like an adult or, you know, having to keep up appearances. And then Fred is obviously just not letting that happen. That was really funny. Like, doesn't she throw the champagne glass across the way and, and start throwing people's food and the plates and stuff? And you just imagine, like, if you were actually in a restaurant and you saw that happening, you'd be like, oh, my God, phone the police, get her to the loony bin or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, really funny. And so, some, of the, um, some of the language and some of the things that Fred says I did find quite funny. Like there's one bit where he says he caught cornflakes disease. I can't really remember what that was in reference to. They're making mud pies at some point, and yeah. then I, th- I don't know if he pours cornflakes on himself or something. And it's just silly things like that. But it, it did, it did make me laugh. And then interestingly, you've got all those kind of funny bits happening, and then alongside, you know, this husband of hers, or you know, soon to be ex-husband, who's just really unpleasant. 
And you just kind of really feel for her that she's stuck in this relationship. And she has quite a difficult relationship with her mum. I do feel sorry for the mum at times because she's clearly got her own stuff going on. And I don't think that the parents, you know, they don't really have this happy marriage. I think, is the dad, is he away a lot? Or has he died or something? I know he's not really around. Elizabeth's dad. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of the, yeah, it's funny you should say that. I was sort of, you've sort of touched on two of my issues with the film then. So we'll, we'll come on now, to, I reckon, to, to things that we perhaps didn't like about the films, th- things that we felt could have been improved. So that was one of my issues, was that I don't think it's entirely clear what the situation with the mum is. So I think it's that um, Elizabeth has sort of driven the dad so mad with Drop Dead Fred that he's left. So she's a single mum or... In any case, he has left her. I don't think he's meant to have died and I don't think they're meant to still be together. But I don't think the mum character is developed enough, as is the same with the husband. So the script, in some sense, is a little bit weak when it comes to certain characters. I think they're a little one-dimensional. So the mum, for example... You know, I think it's meant to be that she blames her daughter for her husband leaving. So she's very antagonistic towards her. She doesn't really have any redeeming factors. And I feel like if if this was sort of given another look now, for example, they might flesh that out a bit more and make her a bit more sympathetic. Yeah, certainly, because it's like she's almost meant to be the villain a little bit. And that's how it kind of starts off. And, you know, Fred is kind of telling her, it's like, ah, she's so horrible and annoying and all this. And it's like, but if you see, obviously, if you see the sort of things that she has to deal with, like on that first night when Drop Dead Fred comes back, her whole living room on the carpets that she has just had cleaned gets covered in dog poo. You would be absolutely livid. But she doesn't lose her head. She just gets a little bit pissed off and then starts cleaning it. So, I I mean, I had a lot of sympathy for the mum, really. But no, I certainly agree that there needed to be more to her, I think, especially because she is such a, a, a central part to Elizabeth's life. And, you know, she moves like she moves back in with her and stuff. And it would it would have been good to sort of get a bit more from her. But, yeah, I think some of the things weren't 100 percent clear. Some of the script, I do think, was a little bit weak. And at times, especially towards the beginning, it did just feel too chaotic. Like you couldn't really keep up with what exactly was going on. Some of uh, Fred's lines didn't really feel like really well thought out, almost as if he was improvising. I don't know if he was. I don't know if much improvisation went on. Um, But yeah, just to kind of, there there were some threads that were just a bit loose and just a few things that I would have liked sort of cleaned up and, and, you know, put nicely together. But I I always feel this way about films about mental health as well. It's like, but maybe that's the point. It's like the fact that it is chaos. It's like Elizabeth doesn't really know what's going on. It's like, how is she meant to know what's real and what's not? Because with Fred as well, you're not sure what his what his rules are. Like sometimes people can see the effect of what he does. I think, doesn't he become... So there's a, a band playing in the mall and he goes up to the violin player and then he sort of becomes the violin player and then starts playing the violin and stuff. It's, it, it's, it's unclear. She seems to see it as, I know what you mean, the sort of aspect of mental health adds a, 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 an uncertainty this, to the script as to what the rules of the world are in terms of what can and can't Fred do. Because he seems to be able to pick objects up and, you know, like a fork in a restaurant will go up, but it's not her picking it up. So if it's not her acting as him and herself, then... Is he like a ghost? Is it like a ghost? He can pick stuff up. So I know what you mean. It's quite unclear. But like you say, it's a, it's around mental health. So perhaps the chaos of that 
is representative of those issues. But yeah, with the violin part, strange because it seems to be that she's watching a band play in a shopping mall and he appears next to the violinist playing the violin really badly and she goes up to him, I think, to sort of tell him to shut up and then he disappears and she's just shouting at another violinist who's playing normally. So, but you're right, that element is a little unclear and you do make a really good point there in terms of in terms of the rules of the world. But what I do think could have been better, regardless of the subject matter, is the sort of exposition around the beginning. So, what you know, where does he come from? It's And it's not to do with when she's a little kid. It's more to, to do with how unhappy she is. Because the film kind of starts when she's an adult. She's with this guy and and they split up, but it's it's not quite clear that they're a married couple. It's not quite clear that you don't know where she's at in her life. You don't sort of see, it doesn't give you enough time to see how unhappy Elizabeth is in order for Fred to come back. You see some stuff, but I think maybe a little bit more time spent around that. You know, maybe she she sees what a complete prick her husband is and she sees how downtrodden she is and she sees the fact that she doesn't, I mean, I don't know, she doesn't seem to have much of a purpose, much of a drive other than oh, just sort of, sort of being with him, which is which will probably explain why she seeks the approval and, and why she wants to be with this complete arsehole. There's no real reason why she'd want to be with him. He shows no sort of where you think, oh, no, he's a, he is, he's like this, but also you can say, see why she's with him. Like he, He's just a prick nonstop all the way through. He's cheating on her all the way through, treating her like a disposable object all the way through, and it's not just someone that she's dating, it's her husband. So that yeah, that's yeah. a little strange for me. I do think that yeah. and, and the sort of one-dimensional elements of the mum and the husband are they do bring the film down a little bit, as well as like you say, what are the rules of the, what are the rules of the world? I guess. Mm. Yeah, definitely think a bit more time spent with those characters and with Elizabeth herself as well at the beginning, just to kind of get a, a better idea of the world she's currently living in, just so we understand why Drop Dead Fred has returned so you're absolutely right and that and, and again with the script the characterization of elizabeth because we don't see this enough and i understand that the whole message of the film is that she learns to stand up for herself um but imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, 
but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Until that point, she's a little underdeveloped, so she sort of just comes across until the second half of the film. Like, she's just a, a bit wet and a bit you know, a, a bit sort of nothing. And, you know, like I said, like, why does she want to be with her husband? Her only purpose seems to be to be this arsehole man's wife. And she doesn't seem to have anything else. And it's sort of, I mean, maybe it's a little bit indicative at the time of back when there was a lot of female characters being written who were either, if they weren't love interests, they were just there to be someone's wife. And in this instance, she is the main character. So that doesn't really work. She's a little underdeveloped for me. But then, Maybe that lays, you know, maybe, maybe that helps with the fact that then at the end she does sort of tell them where to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The thing with Fred as well, I was just thinking, he does say at one point, uh, when do I get to go home? Or like, why can't I just go home? And I would love to know where home is or, you know, if home does exist. Because you sort of, you're kind of torn between like, are they imaginary or are they invisible or are they beings from, like, another plane? Because there are other imaginary friends, aren't there? There's a great scene where you get to see all the different kids' imaginary friends. I really like that when they were sort of all together. And I don't know, maybe I would have liked a little bit more of that. It's like, oh, maybe there is, like, maybe this place does exist and it isn't just in, in your mind. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what, So if it's got, it's almost got limitless potentials. If you look at, like, a film, for example, it's around the same time, a couple of years, not, not that far apart. Look at a film like Beetlejuice, where you know the world and the rules and, and, it, and it creates these, this massive, like, colourful world of all these different characters. And this film had the potential to do that, had the potential, you know, there's all these other imaginary friends and they all look different because obviously the kids are meant to have imagined them. So they've got weird and wonderful costumes. And like you say, there's that really wonderful scene where they're all talking to each other, but the people can't see the other imaginary friends. They can only see their own because they're imaginary. So that idea that they can see each other and the other idea, which is that they are transferable, that they can go to other people and be other people's imaginary friends has almost limitless potential. You could do so much with it in terms of making it funny and and, and expanding it, but it it just doesn't deliver on that promise for me. Mm, mm, yeah, I agree. I think my main problem with the film, and you've alluded to this already, is... Who is it for? So it it could be this amazing family film with a few tweaks, but for some reason there's some also adult stuff in there. Like I think it's a 12 or a 12A. And it doesn't really need to be, but there is like a sort of half a sex scene in there. There's mentions of sex that sort of wouldn't be suitable for kids and, and there's swearing, but it doesn't really add anything to the film. So I think it's a little bit in audience limbo if you like it's 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 kind of not it it could be for adults but it's a little bit too silly and in some ways i think some adults might find it a little annoying and it's a bit too adult for kids so which is it i mean what did you think did you would you agree or 
Yeah, yeah, and that's I felt exactly the same way, and that's why I think it's sort of you come to the end of it and you don't feel completely satisfied because of that. Because if if you're watching a kids' film, you know, like if you put a Disney film on or whatever, you get in that zone and you're like, right, I'm ready to have fun and just to kind of you know watch some silly things that maybe don't really have any consequence, and there might be a nice song in there or whatever. But with this, it was really strange because. It does start off so silly and Fred's character is so silly and it's all about the big things and, you know, it's all about, like, the poo and the grossness and, oh, my God, I'm so silly kind of thing. But then, but it's not a kid's film, right? I wouldn't, I don't think I would show that to a child. Well, no, but, not because yeah. of, like, oh, you know, I don't, the kids can't know how to swear or whatever, but I just, I don't think a kid would enjoy it. Well, yeah, but it's think. also, yeah, it's that and it's also, you know, the sex all the way through it. So, so, so it's, you know... It, that could really work with a family film, that idea of, you know, a character who is essentially an adult, played by an adult man, but is essentially a child. But then, you know, she goes to Carrie Fisher's houseboat and she's sleeping with some old newsreader-looking dude who they seem to work with. And then she... Ha- there's a sort of sort of half a sex scene with her husband as well. Where it's oh, like yeah, she's... so after they've been to a... What have they been to, like an art like show? An art show or a wine to, tasting like, night or something. A wine tasting, something yes, like that, that was it, yeah. the wine evening. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, definitely. And he sort of, like, either he takes her hands and puts them down his trousers or she puts her hands down his trousers, something like that, and Fred's watching them all disgusted because he's a child. But you could do that by sort of inferring what is going on without actually showing it. And then that mm. way, a bit like, you know, we, I know we've said it before, the way Pixar and certain Disney films do that joke where they're looking at the parents going, yeah, you know, you know, you know, but they don't know. And, but this is just, go, this sort of is, you know, look, look, shagging. And it's like, well, which is it? Because if it's an adult film, he, it's a bit too silly. But if you just made those few tweaks and took, because he also, Fred does swear. Mm-hmm. and stuff so if you i think if you just made some tweaks it could be there's a potential for it to be a, such a, a brilliant family film but it's just lacking in it. it well it's not lacking it has a little bit too much sort of adult content in it just one something i wanted to touch on there because you mentioned it obviously carrie fisher's relationship with is it her boss or you know it's one of her colleagues or whatever who's who's at the office but their relationship is obviously so funny because they go to the houseboat and they're there having sex and you, you know, you kind of don't really know like what the deal is. And then later on, when you see them at their place of work, she sort of starts going off on one. It's like, that's the one day a month that his wife's away and we get to do it mm-hmm. all night. So, and I just really loved that as a little plot point. I really do. Carrie Fisher for me was such a highlight. I feel like she did, she gave such a great performance. Like, I think she was the best performer in it for sure. She brings a, she brings a touch of something special to everything she's in, doesn't she, Carrie Fisher? She does. She's it. Like, because also I know she was, um, she was a script doctor for a lot of her career after, after Star Wars because I think she didn't really do like doing that much acting. I think she preferred to write. So I know that I think she wrote a lot of her own dialogue for this in a way that, so I and I think that really shines through. So, but again, it's like she's in a different film. She's in kind of an adult film, mm-hmm. and and that really. But but because she doesn't share that many scenes with Drop Dead Fred, it, it it's kind of works and it really sparkles in those scenes. But I know what you mean like she's really good in. Um, she she was in the, some of the series of uh, Catastrophe, which is Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan, which is a really good sitcom. Uh, she plays she plays his mum, and she plays this sort of like 
because she's obviously old at that point, she's, she plays this sort of absolute pain in the arse mother-in-law. But, um, you know, she's really good. She, she's really good. And, and I agree, like, whenever she's on stage, whenever, whenever she's on screen even, you, um, you, just, you just can't help but love her. Yeah, yeah. I just really like to see her in, like, just just kind of reminded me of the kind of magic you feel when you when you watch the, the original trilogy, obviously, of Star Wars. And that's when, obviously, you know, that, that when she was kind of all, you know, seemingly at her best or whatever. I mean, they are the three bad Star Wars films, obviously. Um, so it just kind of reminded me, it kind of reminded me of that. So that was just nice to see her. Um, so my least favourite thing about the film and something, you know, aside from all the kind of wackiness and the craziness and the grossness, something that really threw me was when at the end, Fred kisses Elizabeth on the lips. It, now, I yeah. just found that really jarring. Like, I wasn't expecting it at all because they didn't really have, it, it wasn't a sexual relationship they had. It didn't really feel like a friend thing. Friends don't kiss each other on the lips, or no, none of my friends do. <laughs> no, I can't say I've ever kissed any of my female friends or male friends on the lips. No, no one. Only the person that you're romantically with. And it just threw me completely. And not not because of, you know, oh, he knew her when she was a kid or whatever. It's like, you know, whatever. It, you know, it's a crazy film. He's not real. So, you know, it doesn't matter. But I just, it didn't feel like it needed to be there. I don't think it brought anything to it at all. And it just felt a bit weird. It's so out of place. It's really, like you say, it's nothing to do with the fact that he was a kid. It's the fact that their relationship is not a sexual one. It's not... Their relationship isn't one that you could sort of compare to anything. But if any, if anything, it's a sibling type relationship. But it's not even really that. Um, it's obviously that they're they're friends, and it's so it's so jarring. Like why? Because it's they kiss each other because that's like they're okay. You don't need me anymore. I'll move on to someone else, and I'm done now. And we'll say goodbye. But why a kiss? Why not? I don't know. Uh, Anything else? Any, anything, anything else? else. A like cuddle, a cuddle, a, a, a handshake, or my, a like, fist bump. You know, take my hand. You don't need me anymore. Then I disappear. Even, the even end. a kiss on the hand, I feel. Would, yeah, would have just it wouldn't have felt as you know as jarring. You'd, you'd probably do it. You'd maybe say do it with an object or something, wouldn't you? Mm. You know, I don't know. I don't know because he's always wearing a snazzy suit. Give me my weird tie pin. Puts it on. You don't need me anymore. I'm ready to go. Do my tie yeah. up because I'm got to look smart for my next little girl. Bye. I just wonder whose but, decision that was to do that. Yeah, you can't imagine being on set and being like, yeah, get off of each other. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> just get off of each other. And um, yeah, I think that's how that's how an imaginary friend says goodbye to a now yeah. woman was little girl friend. <laughs> it's such a strange thing. Mm. Uh, but in general, you know what? I went watching the, the film as a whole and that, like in within the first ten minutes, I did think I'm not going to like this, but it got better as it went on, and there were some parts of it that I really did enjoy, and there were a couple of moments that actually made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Um. So, and, and I think overall, it was all right. <laughs> I I agree. I I'm pretty much the same as you. I think it's a it's a brilliant premise with almost boundless amounts of potential that's executed in a bit of a strange way and isn't quite sure who it's for. But it's, you know, I can, I, can, I can see why people have a real love for this film. I can see why people like it, because especially if you watched it when you were young, you probably wouldn't pick up on some of the issues we've picked up on. You know, it's, it's, a, it's Rick Mayles 
absolute finest and it certainly didn't deserve which we're going to talk about shortly it certainly didn't deserve the absolute critical battering that it got so yeah it's a strange one thing i did want to ask you is i so that so again i alluded to this earlier we've been discussing a remake of this film for some time and i do think like i've said it's a film that has the potential to be remade although i think it would probably cause a slight amount of outrage. But then, you know, they've remade the bloody Karate Kid. As long as they don't switch back to the future, um, I'm okay. However, do you th- do you think it could be remade? Because I think if you sort of took a look at the, at the premise and the script, as we have discussed, obviously now CGI is much better, so you could do loads more with that. I mean, the one thing I couldn't get over, one thing I couldn't think when I was thinking if you were to remake it was who would play Fred? Because... There's just no one quite like Rick Mail around anymore. There's just no one, even his contemporaries of the time, are all probably slightly too old now. You know, if you think of like Adrian Edmondson or um, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Rowan Atkinson, all these people. I don't know who who would, could you imagine a remake being made? I know like I said before, apparently there was going to be one with Russell Brand, um, but let's just that's not going to happen. So <laughs> No, and the thing is, so I love Russell Brand. I think he's a fantastic stand-up comedian and I love watching his videos on Instagram, but he is not a good actor. And no. I know, I know. who am I to say, but I really don't think he is. I don't find him convincing at all. But I, I mean, I do, like, I respect him so much and, and, you know, all those years sober, I mean, flipping heck, hats off to you, kid. Um, but I would love to see a remake of this as long as it wasn't just a shot-by-shot remake because I can't yeah. stand those. I cannot stand when somebody decides to remake a film and literally just remakes it shot for shot. It's like when somebody does a cover of a song and it's just exactly the same as the original, but with a different voice. Like you want to hear something different. You want to hear guitars where there were no guitars or drums where there were no drums. So I think definitely take the premise, definitely take the title of the film and definitely take the characters. But do something else with it. Yeah, breathe, breathe, the, breathe fresh effect. life, breathe fresh life into the idea sort mm. of thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, there's a reason why things like, you know, A Star Is Born has been remade so many times because the premise is there, but you can do something different with it each time, which is why each time it's different and each time it brings something new to the idea. And you could do that with this. I, 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 just, I just think that the main stumbling block is, is who, would, who would play the, the, the Fred part. The well, problem is that that sort of style, it doesn't really feel like it's around as much anymore. And I don't know if it's just because I'm watching the wrong things or maybe exposed to the wrong people, but that kind of really big, wacky, almost manic style of acting. I, like, I can't think of anyone who I've seen. You know, no. Because like, if you picked, obviously I think of someone like Woody Harrelson who kind of can do the mania thing, but he's... Like, Rick Mayle is manic in a kind of charming and almost harmless way. Whereas then someone like Woody Harrelson is very, you know, is very sinister. Intimidating, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. if Listen, listeners, if you know someone, if you've seen someone, whether on maybe on stage, maybe, or like in a sitcom, in a film that you think has that same energy. Because I don't know if I ever have seen anyone and no, thought that's I, Rick I was... Mayle energy. I was racking my brains as well, and I was like, right, I was like writing down every sort of comedian because also it doesn't have to be a bloke either. Ah, uh-huh, interesting. Because, because you could, yes. you know, I was like, I, I was like, part of me was thinking, well, who would actually get it if if they did it now? Who would get it? And I'd probably, you'd probably think maybe like a Rebel Wilson. Oh, uh, but I don't um, think again. It, 
because I'm I'm sort of going off what you're saying, which is that grotesque style wouldn't really fit. Or the only thing you could do is maybe go a different way and maybe go like a. And this is a really probably quite a strange suggestion, but Hugh Grant. Because if you watch, and that does sound, I know that sounds like a bit of a mad suggestion, but if you watch Paddington 2, he does this performance, which is incredible, by the way, if you've not seen Paddington or Paddington 2, brilliant, brilliant films, but he plays this old, washed-up actor, and he's constantly dressing up in different costumes, um, a little bit like Jim Carrey in a series of unfortunate events, who's probably someone else who might maybe have could have done it in his heyday, but... So that's the only person I could think was like Hugh Grant or someone like a Hugh, like a Hugh Grant. But what about Stephen Merchant? Stephen Merchant, yeah, maybe. but again, he's not. He said he's not. It'd be you know a sarcastic Bristol Fred. It would, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, all these people are sarcastic. Interesting. I'm going to have a think. I'm going to have a think because there must be someone who's got that similar sort of that energy and that style. I'm just, they're just not on my radar. We'll uh, we'll put it out there. So if you know, you think of someone who could realistically play Drop Dead Fred in a hypothetical remake, then we want to hear from you. Get in touch. So uh, we'll come on to talking about the critical reception then. So we've already sort of alluded to, because this is a listener suggestion, we've already alluded to the fact that Sam has picked this because it was not critically well received. So we have both taken a quick look at the critical reception, haven't we? So to give you a general idea, on IMDb, and this for me tells a story in itself, on IMDb gets 6 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes from the audience at the time of recording this is, should I say, it gets 77%. But... The critics give it on Rotten Tomatoes eleven percent, mm. which I just think is that is madness. I think that's so mean. I think it, it just it's just a complete. You're totally overlooking all the good parts of it. I think because of the silliness, it's like all they're seeing is kind of the poo jokes and, and yeah. the, you know the silliness. They're not kind of seeing the actual sort of good technical qualities that, that there are to it and some of the funnier jokes, I think 11% is horribly mean. But quite happy with that 77% from the audience. I think that's, that's I think quite that's, nice. That, that might be a, a touch high for my person, but not, mm. not sky high, but uh, maybe the six, the six on IMDb for me. But I think that that difference, 11 versus 77 slash 60, just demonstrates... Because I went into this film not knowing it was critically poorly received. I went into this film thinking it was pretty sort of universally really well liked by a lot of people. That's because I'd heard it from friends and and people I've met. Whereas that maybe, I don't know, does it demonstrate a little bit that some critics sort of don't have time for this sort of comedy? I mean, I I was intrigued because I saw it was 11%. I was like, well, what, what was their actual problem with it? Like, because... We've talked about some stuff, but we've not absolutely battered it down to an 11% rating. So I had a little look, and one person said, and I thought this was a really strange thing to say, as the naughty ghost pal of Phoebe Cates, an obnoxious British actor named Rick Mayle is like Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice without the juice, right? Obnoxious? How does he know he's obnoxious? Like, how can you turn around? Look, we all see actors and celebrities... And we have an idea of what they're like, 
But unless you actually meet them and spend time with them, you can't turn around and be like, you're obnoxious. Obviously, he is obnoxious. The character of Fred is obnoxious. But that's not Rick Mail because that's fucking acting. It's pretending <laughs> to be someone else. That's literally it's the acting, point. darling. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, how can you turn around and be like, it's obnoxious. obnoxious. If you turn around and say a British actor is like an obnoxious British Beetlejuice or something like that, that's a bit different. But to just say he's obnoxious, I just think that's just such a... This, it's, a, it's like the, when we did The Losers and they were like, the Chris Evans isn't better than this film. And it's just like, why have a, I don't know, why have a pop? Like, for yeah. no reason. Why, why get personal? I'm all, for, I'm all for intelligent critique, right? Where you weigh stuff up. Because I like to think that that's kind of what we do, right? We talk about the good, we talk about the bad. But to just turn around and have a, an absolute pop at one of the actors, I just think is, that's not, that's lazy. It's lazy writing for me. Mm, mm. yeah definitely and it just that just feels it feels an incredibly mean score as well and i just the thing with critics as well i just always feel like they're looking for sophistication and it's like not all films have to be sophisticated like you can have good writing or you can have good characters and good plot points without it necessarily being sophisticated you gotta open your mind a bit more man exactly the cinema is for everyone so bear in mind who this is for Otherwise, there's no point being a food, a film critic because you're gonna have to watch Barbie and the Nutcracker and all the other, all sorts of other mad stuff. Anyway, so I mean, I think we, we probably know what the answer is. Is it underrated? Definitely, definitely couldn't, underrated. Couldn't agree more. It's underrated, Sam. First listen suggestion. It's underrated. So we hope you're happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great pick. Great pick. Excellent pick. So there we go, our first listener suggestion. Uh, Sam suggested it because he thinks it's underrated and uh, we here think that it, it definitely is. So if you like Sam, uh, have... Uh, not if you like Sam, you don't know Sam. If you are like <laughs> Sam and have a suggestion for a film, um, then please do get in touch. It's uh, filmsonthatpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, films at underscore that or films and that pod. Um, yeah, please do get in touch. We'd absolutely love... Um, Love to hear from you. Alice, it's been a pleasure as always. Oh, fantastic speaking to you, Josh. Can't wait till next week. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.